Good evening, everyone, yeah, my friends. Um, on this um, occasion of uh, the holy body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, also formerly known as Corpus Christi, <clears throat> not often uh, I may reference saints from time to time, uh, but not often do I actually uh, give them quite a bit of uh, space in a homily. Uh, but I would like to do this on uh, this evening, and uh, because uh, it's a saint who describes Mass um, way back, and it's beautiful, and it uh, helps us to understand uh, how they saw Mass and how we saw it, and this solemnity that we celebrate um, originated in Belgium in the 13th century by St. Juliana, a nun. And the detail of the solemnity was given to her in a vision by Christ himself asking that this solemnity be celebrated, meaning uh, his, the Eucharist, his very body and blood. And today's celebration is an expression of our faith and a belief in the real presence of Christ and the Blessed Sacrament. So the majority of this homily is going to be drawn from the writing of a person from our Catholic past. His first name is Justin. Justin died a martyr at Rome in the year 165 A.D. I want you to remember that uh, the first gospel, uh, Gospel of Mark, was written about 75 A.D. And here we have this martyr speaking. Mostly we, when we refer to him, we call him St. Justin, the martyr. And it was of great interest, his description of the celebration of the Sunday Eucharist. Um, he gave so very close to the era of Christ and his apostles. And here is what he wrote. On Sunday, we have a common assembly of all of our members. The recollections of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read. When the reader has finished, the presider of the assembly speaks to us. He urges everyone to imitate the examples of the virtues we have heard in the readings. Then we all stand up together and pray. At the conclusion of our prayers, bread and wine are brought forward. The presider offers prayers and gives thanks to the best of his ability and the people give their assent by saying, Amen. The Eucharist is distributed. Those present communicate. I mean, they receive. And the deacons take it to those who are absent. My friends, when this is written, there was no priesthood like Father Mark is a priest. There were bishops only or the apostles. So who would help them are the deacons because we weren't, the priesthood wasn't around just yet that way. The wealthy make a contribution and they themselves decide the amount. That hasn't changed, has it? You guys decide how much you give. <laughs> the collection is placed in the custody of the presider who uses, oh, no, no, no. We don't do that anymore. 
the collection is placed in the custody of the presider who uses it to help orphans and widows and all who are for any reason in distress, whether they are sick or in prison or away from home, meaning a traveler. In a word, he takes care of all who are in need. We hold our common assembly on Sunday because it is the first day of the week, the day on which God put darkness and chaos to flight and created the world. And because on that same day, our Savior Jesus Christ rose from the dead. For he was crucified on Friday and on Sunday. He appeared to his apostles and disciples and taught them the things which we have passed on for your consideration. No one may share the Eucharist with us unless one believes that what we teach of it is true. And unless one is washed in the regenerating waters of baptism for the remission of one's sins. And unless one live in accordance with the principles given us by Christ. We do not consume the Eucharistic bread and wine as if it were ordinary food and drink. For we have been taught that as Jesus Christ our Savior became man of flesh and blood by the power of the Word of God, so also the food that our flesh and body assimilates for its nourishment becomes the flesh and blood of the incarnate Jesus, the Christ, by the power of his own words contained in the prayer of thanksgiving. The apostles in their recollections, which are called gospels, handed down to us what Jesus commanded them to do. They tell us that he took bread, gave thanks, and said, Do this in memory of me. This is my body. In the same way, he took the cup. He gave thanks and said, This is my blood. Ever since then, we have constantly reminded one another of these things. I'll stop the quote there. This was St. Justin Martyr's experience of what we know as Mass. Without a doubt, and with great confidence, I am absolutely sure, should St. Justin the Martyr walk to Gig Harbor and enter into this building, he would recognize what we are doing, offering the holy sacrifice of the Mass. As liturgy, as we experience it, he would know. The Catholic Church has never and will never deviate from this sacred tradition. I know it got kind of close there during the pandemic uh, in some dioceses where uh, But the church has never failed to offer Mass. The Eucharist, Holy Communion, is Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity under the appearance of the consecrated bread and wine, Catechism of the Church, 1374-1378. It is not a symbol or a sign. It is something greater. It is truly Christ. It is made present during Mass. The Eucharist is a true sacrifice that makes present the one sacrifice of Christ on Calvary, 
Catechism of the Catholic Church, 1330. The effects of the Eucharist increases our union with Christ. Catechism of the Catholic Church, 1391. It separates us from sin and helps keep us from future mortal sin when received properly. Catechism of the Catholic Church, 1393, 1395. It takes away venial sins. Are you listening? When we receive properly, Mother Church says, the Eucharist takes away venial sins. 1394 of the Catechism. Here we go. It unites us to Christ and his church. Catechism of the Catholic Church, 1396. It helps us grow in charity. And most importantly, this is done by Christ because of love. And that you might have life eternal. This you've got to come to grips with. Pull it in to your mind, into your heart. He does this so that you may have life eternal. To be with him and his father and his son for all time. Not a quantity thing, a quality thing. And that begins here and now in this world because we participate in it now when you receive it worthily. And my friends, the other things that came from the Gospels is because St. Justin Martyr said, the recollection of the apostles, which we know as the Gospels, written, my house shall be a house of prayer. So I've done everything I can as pastor to keep all the nonsense out of here so that when you enter in, you see beauty to his glory, a space that provides you to enter into prayer and to enter into the sacraments. It's hard. It is not easy to keep the nonsense out of this building, not only because of the people who bring it in, but because Satan just never gives up on it. What he wants to do is simply distract you. If he can distract you because he's lazy, then he doesn't have to do anything more. Or he just plants a little seed of doubt. And then he runs off because that's what he does. Hmm? Friends, the Eucharist becomes as the church teaches, a sign of unity amongst us. And it's heartbreaking when others use it and weaponize it to cause division. Because Christ himself used it as a sign of unity. Uh, we heard uh, him talk, we come together and we're united. And now Justin Martyr said, those who do not believe this do not partake with us. And so my friends, um, Typically, what uh, separates the Christian denominations are precepts and doctrines and dogmas. For us, this is one of the great ones. This uh, separates us uh, from other Christian denominations. The Orthodox Church, the Eastern Rites, um, hold to the Eucharist as we do. We recognize their priesthood. They recognize ours. They are permitted uh, to come here and receive the Eucharist. So, uh, for instance, uh, we have St. Nicholas Orthodox Catholic, or 
sorry, St. Nicholas Orthodox Church in Tacoma. Sometimes their members do come here. And when they do, they just identify themselves to me. And Mother Church permits them to receive the Eucharist because they hold to the same teaching as we do. If you go to St. Nicholas Orthodox Church, if you present yourself as Roman Catholic, they will ask you not to receive the Eucharist because we are not in union. We are not. That is true. We are not in union. And it is a great sign of unity amongst us. Um, if you remain silent and just receive it, it's a, I don't want to say it's okay. It's just that it is the Eucharist. It is absolutely the Eucharist. So you would receive the Eucharist, and by being in the Divine Liturgy, you would fulfill the requirement of Sunday Mass. Uh, hopefully one day we will be reunited again. My friends, um, uh, we, I know we have Christians of other denominations that worship in this house with us, and uh, I always expect all of us, uh, all of us who are parishioners and visitors, to have great respect for Mother Church and her teachings and to abide by the rules of the church. This is a sign of respect. I do the same thing should I venture into a, a Protestant church. I will adhere to their policies. If I cannot, then I will not go. That is a sign that it's not a dig or anything. It's being respectful. If I just can't, I can't. Uh, for us, I'd expect the same. Should a Protestant come, I expect him to obey our rules and follow our policies. That's a sign of respect. And while they cannot receive the Eucharist, all of you should understand why. It is not a judgment of their holiness. It's not a judgment of their worthiness. It is simply because they are not in union with us. They do not believe what we teach about the Eucharist. And so they can't partake of it. The other thing is um, that the idea to worthily receive it uh, the Roman Catholic and the Orthodox has the sacrament of confession to prepare them to receive it properly. In the Protestant church, they don't have that. So it's not a dig. It's actually a great sign of charity because the Eucharist has the power of eternal life, right? So then the opposite must be true. Not receiving it worthily not believing in and taking it, it must have the power then to not give you eternal life, but to condemn. So, don't receive the Eucharist. And uh, uh, many of our Roman Catholics don't understand the reason. They say, well, you just can't because you can't, because you're Protestant. <laughs> That's only partially true. It's because they do not hold to the teachings. And I've just read you as a statement of St. Justin Martyr. They held this even in 165 A.D. It's been that way the whole time. One day we will be united. One day. But not now. So we bind ourselves to the things that we do hold to. Baptism. All Christians understand baptism. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, water. From that point on, even within the 33,000 denomination of Christian Protestants, it begins to diverge and change. But the day will come when all Christians will have to come together. That day will come soon when we will have to unite 
because we will be forced to do so. We will be forced to in order to protect ourselves and our faith. Amen?